Hello and welcome to this evening's episode of the podcast to fall asleep to. I'm your host, Jimmy Joe, and I'm here to talk about things that are unimportant and uninteresting until you take this train to sleepy town. I have talked before about some of the traveling I've done in my life. And I want to talk to you now about one of the saddest voyages of my life. It happened about a month and a half after the perilous comedy of errors that was the escape from Bordeaux, which you can fall asleep to in some of the earlier episodes of this podcast. Those uh, episodes three through five all chronicled the escape from Bordeaux. This was, like I said, about six weeks after that. And this was my uh, my return home back to America at the age of 20 after a semester studying abroad in the beautiful city of Pau, France. The journey started at the Gare de Pau, the Pau train station. I had a very early train. I believe it left at something like five in the morning to Paris. I was very tired. I had spent the previous nights drinking, celebrating, commiserating with the friends I had made in France. As one by one, we were all leaving to go back to our hometowns. I, uh... So I got on the train. I'd said most of my goodbyes. Over the last couple days, I got on the train and I managed to fall asleep. I remember I woke up at one point, and it was as the train was stopping in Bordeaux. The train stopped in Bordeaux on the way to Paris. And I remember I saw coming in, it was, I don't know if it was a standalone sign, or I think it was on the side of a building, the words, Bienvenue à L'Aquitaine, which is the region, region or department, I think. I don't remember which one is bigger. I think department is smaller and region is bigger. Assuming that's the case. Uh, The region for which Bordeaux is the capital is uh, L'Aquitaine. And if I was wrong about the region department thing, then it's the other way around. But I'm pretty sure I'm right. Being at the Bordeaux train station again sort of made me uneasy, so I stayed awake until the train started going 
continuing on its journey to Paris. Then I woke up as the train was coming to a stop again a couple hours later. And I saw that same lettering on a building, Bienvenue, ah, and there was an L apostrophe A, and I thought it was going to say Lucky Ten. Because after the trauma of the escape from Bordeaux, I have expected that it was all leading back to Bordeaux, that I'd never leave, or that I was in some Groundhog Day scenario, except instead of Groundhog Day, it was more like that John Cusack movie where he's at the hotel room, where like it can last longer than a day, but you always end up back there. But it wasn't. I was in Paris. I think the train went to Austerlitz, I don't remember. Maybe it was one of the other ones. I got there. I uh, took the metro to my hostel, which was in Little Africa, which I think is the 19th arrondissement. I put my stuff away and I met some of my friends who were staying the 13th actually at a hotel where we had stayed our first week in Paris together. And they tried to convince me to sneak into their room and just stay with them, but I, my stuff was already there. I didn't want to have to go all the way back to my hostel, try to get a refund, go get my stuff, haul it across town, and then try to sneak into their room. It just seemed silly, so. But we went out, and I had a... We went out, and there was the... Uh, the Christmas markets on the Champs-Élysées. Not on the Champs-Élysées. Well, is it? It's like south. I don't, it's around there. I drank lots of Van Show and had a wonderful time together, if a bit somber, because, well, nobody wanted to leave. And one of the girls there had to go. She was trying to stop and get something, I believe, at Notre Dame, or maybe in the Latin Quarter, somewhere around that part of town. And everyone else was staying out, but she wanted to get there before the shops closed, and I had an er the earliest flight the next day, so I just I said, well, how about I'll walk you over there, but then i got to go home, back to the hostel. So we went, and uh, I don't remember if she got that stuff or not. I think the shops might have been closed, the one that she was looking for. But we went, and then she said she was going back to the hotel. And I went back with her. And I remember I had just enough single-use metro tickets from my first week in France that I would just barely be able to make it the next day from my hostel. I would be using my last ticket to get to uh, from the metro to the RER to take it to the airport. But since I was going to drop this girl off at her hotel, that was a ticket I hadn't planned for, so I was going to come up a little short. But she said, it's okay. 
and may or may not have gone through a turnstile with me using one of her tickets. I would never say if either of us had broken the law on the metro, but some might say that that happened. And we got back to the hotel and I said goodnight. And it was the last it hit me. I had been saying goodbye to friends I had made over the past few days, maybe a week at that point. But that was the last one. That was the last goodbye I was going to say to a new friend I had made over the preceding semester. And I felt a little emotional. I ended up seeing that girl on New Year's Eve. She, uh, she came to Reno visiting another friend. But at the time, I didn't know that was going to happen, that I would see her in like two weeks. So it was pretty sad. But I went back to my hostel and I went to sleep and I got up very, very early the next day. And I was very sad and I got my things and I went down and I ate the complimentary breakfast, which was kind of junk, so I was mostly just eating cereal. Dying Day by, they were playing like the radio at the breakfast area at the hostel. And Dying Day by Saves the Day came on, which is a great song. It made me sad because I thought, well, it's, I'm not dying, but this part of my life is ending today. That's what I thought. In fairness, there's a lot of much sadder Saves the Day songs that could have come on right then. They, they got a, a real repertoire of sad songs. And that one's pretty upbeat comparatively. But I finished my cereal, and I left. And that hostel was just a, just a short walk to the nearest metro stop. And I go down, and it was starting to get kind of busy. Um, it was, the city was still sort of asleep. It was very early in the morning, but it was starting to get busy with the early rush of morning commuters. And I go down into the metro and I used my last metro ticket that I timed out so perfectly and that maybe me and this friend of mine had uh, stolen a ride from the metro by going through a turnstile together the night before. Maybe. I'm not going to tell you. You can probably guess. And I put my ticket in the thing, and it spit it back out at me. And I had a very big backpack on, and I had a very big uh, suitcase. And I put my thing back, my ticket back in the thing, and it spit it back out at me. And my heart sank, because I was already running a little bit late. At least I thought I might be, because I wasn't sure how long the RER would take. And I look at the ticket counter, and there's nobody there, because it's too early in the morning. And there's people 
going around me at the other turnstiles, and I just, I just sighed. I was so sad already. I didn't want to go, but I knew I had to, so I didn't want to get stuck. But some kind woman, whom I can only hope has had nothing but happiness and prosperity and kindness and love in her life since then, saw me struggling with this as she was exiting the metro. And this was one of the ones where the exit gate is a full person-sized gate. It's a metal gate that you walk through. It swings open just like a normal door. She was coming out, and she saw this, and she grabbed the gate behind her and held it open for me and said, Monsieur, because she knew that I had a real ticket and I was trying to do the right thing that I just wasn't able to, and it would have been a whole mess. But she helped me. I, I, I hope that... Uh, hope she's got lots of happiness in her life. I said, merci. And I walked through the gate. And I got on the metro. And I took it to the stop at the station that had the RER. I got on the RER. And uh, I was sitting down. And I was sitting um, facing the back of the train. So I was sitting by the window, looking out of the window as we were going away from Paris and toward Charles de Gaulle Airport. And a performer comes onto the train with an accordion. And he he said something in French. And um, I don't... I'm going to approximate what he said in English right now because I don't remember exactly. But uh, this was uh, very close to Christmas, and he said, Hello, everybody. I'm going to play some music, and of course, I accept tips. I play for money. But all of you are leaving Paris the most beautiful city in the world, before Christmas. And more important than money is that you all have safe travels to wherever you're going, and you can come back soon, because Paris is truly the most beautiful city in the world. And then he started playing on his accordion as he walked through the compartment. And he played some Christmas songs, some French classics, some couple Eddie Piaf things, I believe. And it was beautiful. And as he played, I watched out the window as Paris shrunk, getting smaller and smaller. Till finally, we went around a bend and it was gone. And I got to the airport. And I got to where I was going. And I had been smoking for a few years at that point. And I remember thinking, you know, when I go back to America, I'm going to be around a lot less smokers than I've been around for the last semester. Maybe that'll make it easier for me to quit smoking if I'm around it a lot less. 
And so I pulled out my cigarettes and my lighter, and I smoked one, a Gauloise blue French cigarette, the kind I had started smoking over there, because it was easier to find than the kind I smoked in America. And when I finished it, I put it out. I put my lighter back in the pack. And I threw the whole thing in the garbage. I said, that's done. And I went. I got through security. Checked my bed luggage stuff. I was waiting. Uh, I was waiting by my gate, and I got something to eat. I got a little bottle of, a mini bottle of booze, because I was upset. I drank a little mini bottle of Ricard with breakfast. I didn't even like that stuff. And I had been keeping a paper journal, and so I wrote an entry in my journal, and my phone buzzed, my French cell phone. And I looked at it, and uh, it was just buzzing, because it had low battery. It was a very long time ago. It was a very old style phone and it buzzed when it had a low battery. And so I was writing in my journal and my French cell phone kept buzzing. And then finally, I see that they're getting ready to start letting us board at my gate. I finish my journal entry. My phone buzzes and I take it out to check the time and it's dead. My French life, my French phone. Both dead. So I got on the plane, which was to Frankfurt, Germany. From Frankfurt, I was booked to fly to Washington, D.C., to um, Dulles Airport specifically, and then to San Francisco. And my family was picking me up in San Francisco and driving me to Reno. So I flew to Frankfurt. And I go through customs, and the they're kind of mean. I don't speak German, so that's a problem right there. They don't understand why I've been in France for so long. I try to explain. They don't like my explanation, but eventually I get through. And I get through, and I'm looking for my gate, and I can't find it. And there's one, the way that it seems like it would be, uh, has a sign up in English. It says authorized personnel only, no access beyond this point. It was in German as well, but it was also in English. But I walked around every part of this terminal three or four times. Everywhere I could go where I didn't have to go somewhere that had some sort of signage to indicate that it was authorized access only or that was, cro- that was not crossing a security checkpoint. I walked through all of this, and I couldn't find my gate. And it was starting to get near the time that we would be boarding, so I was starting to get nervous. And there was that one walkway that really seemed like that was where planes would be, where my flight plane would be, but uh, it still had that sign, authorized access only, no entry beyond this point. Eventually I thought, well, 
I'm going to walk through there. And if that's the right place, like I have a feeling it is, then I'll be at my plane. And if it's not, someone is sure to stop me pretty soon. And even if they don't speak English, they'll find someone who does to figure out why I am where I am. And then hopefully they can help me find where I'm supposed to be. So I walk through and uh, there's my plane. I don't know why that sign was up. I don't know where everyone else had come from, that they were all waiting at the plane. Because no one had walked through the way that I had come from. Because I had been watching that entrance the whole time. Because I thought that was the way to go. And if someone else had gone through, then I would have just followed behind them. But no one went through it, so I don't know where everyone else came from. But I was there. So I handed my passport to the uh, the gate attendant. And she swipes in the thing. She gives me a confused look. And she says something to me in German. And I said, I can speak English. Ou je peux parler français. But, uh, nein, sprechen Sie Deutsch. And I don't believe that is how you say I don't speak German in German, but I think it's close enough that she understood. And so she grabbed someone who came to me and spoke English. And she said, oh, hello, Mr. Joe. So you've missed your flight. And I looked out of the window and I saw the plane there. And I looked back at her and I said, no, I have not missed my flight. I'm flying on that plane right over there. I'm going to America. And she said, no, your flight left a few hours ago. That was a direct flight uh, from Frankfurt to San Francisco that's arriving tonight. The plane out there right now is going to Washington, D.C. I said a direct flight to San Francisco would be great, but my travel agent booked me a flight from that had a connection in D.C. And any flight that left hours ago, I would not have been able to make because hours ago I was in the air in a plane between here and Paris. They said, well, we don't, we, we don't know what has happened, but you, your flight had been changed to a direct flight. Your ticket had been changed to a direct flight, and you've missed that. And I looked at them and I said, okay. That seems wrong, but okay. How can I get home? Because I'm going home. And they said, well, we can get you on this flight now. But the original flight that you were booked on from D.C. to San Francisco that leaves tonight is currently overbooked by over 30 people. So there's no way you can get on that one. And I said, well, when is the next flight? And they said, well, that flight is going to leave... I don't remember. It was like 10 p.m. or some shit like that. It was, you know, it was like a red eye. So, you know, at that time, local time, the next flight that we could get you on to San Francisco would leave at... 
uh, at it was like 6 a.m. or something. So the next morning, I said, this is ridiculous. But I don't care. This flight's going to leave soon. I need to figure this out. So book me on that one. I'll see what I can do in D.C. And I uh, pulled out my French phone, and it was dead. Still, it hadn't come back to life. And the charger for that phone was in my checked bag because I thought that I wouldn't need it anymore and that I would have had enough battery to get through the rest of my time in Europe. So I didn't have the charger. And I didn't have access to it. And so I had a calling card that my parents had given me in case of emergency. It was an international calling card from Korea. I do not speak Korean or read Korean. So I pull out the card and everything is in Korean. And so I start trying to figure out how to use it. And eventually, somehow, by a lot of trial and error, I managed to get a phone call through before I have to board the plane. And I called my family in Reno and I said, look, I'm stuck on the plane overnight. Or I'm stuck in Washington airport overnight, Washington Dulles airport in DC overnight. They put me on this plane to San Francisco for the next morning, but I'm not sure if that's going to change, but don't go to San Francisco until I call you. I'll let you know what flight I'm on. And then I boarded. I got on the plane for America. And I knew that I had some shit ahead of me. And that's where I'm going to leave it tonight. It looks like this episode's going to be a two-parter. So uh, listen in next week for the conclusion. Hopefully you've fallen asleep and you don't care about the conclusion. Uh, thanks for listening. As always, uh, if you're still up and trying to go to sleep, replay the episode or maybe uh, play a different episode or whatever, whatever it takes. And don't worry, you'll, you'll fall asleep soon. I'm sure you will. So, uh, as always, sweet dreams.